हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब टुडे आई हैव विद मी स्वतलाना दी शी वाज बोर्न टू अ मिक्स Indian and Russian family. She got her training in Indian classical Kathak dance under her guru Katya Ji, a Russian graduate of the National Institute of Kathak, Kathak Kendra, who got her training from national award-winning Shrimati Ormila Nagarji, a Sangeet Natakata Nata Academy awardee. Swetlana Di is a star of an upcoming sci-fi feature film called The Xenophobes, produced by Epistrophe Feature Pictures, set to release in 2022. Her first major breakthrough was upon her appearance with an Indian classical dance to a Bollywood song at the Ukraine's Got Talent TV show in 2013 that has caught the attention of wide audiences and eventually went viral on the internet with over 20 million views to date. Since the beginning of the beginning she's been teaching sorry what i wanted to say is since the beginning of the pandemic she's been teaching dance full time. Satlana di how are you? I'm doing great thanks. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, I'm really excited for this show and thank you for Rafia Di for introducing us. And just to get started, uh how has your move to LA been? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've moved to, during the pandemic in the middle of November. It was a very difficult thing to do because of the closed borders and closed embassies i couldn't get my visa there was so much paperwork and and all but somehow thank god we managed to make it happen so i arrived and we've already wrapped the filming of the xenophobes the upcoming sci-fi feature film that i'm doing and yeah since then after as soon as we finished the shooting i went back to la because we were filming in different states across the us mm-hmm. i went back to la and i've been teaching classes since then uh, most of the classes have been through zoom Mm-hmm. but slowly slowly the california is reopening so we start having 1 2 3 4 5 people in class as well as the zoom people so it's kind of an interesting experience because you get this a very unique experience where you have 20 30 people on zoom in, in the the small little screens then you have a bunch of people behind you so you got to coordinate between all of this to make sure that everyone sees you everyone hears you you see and hear hear everyone else so it's a unique experience but we've done one class like that so far because it was only allowed to start in april mm-hmm. so i did my first class the second one is coming up this sunday and i'm really excited about that people seem to have a very a lot of hunger for <laughs> real life dance classes and mm-hmm. uh, too because As much as I enjoy teaching people Kathak and Kathak fusion styles, live energy of people with you in the studio cannot be replaced with anything. It's just I feed off of their energy and they feed off of my energy. So it's it it inspires you, it moves you, it pushes you. So it's really it's a beautiful experience. I'm really happy that I'm able to do this here in the city of dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been wanting to make this move to LA for quite a while, but it was not possible at the, at the time. So finally, I'm here, and I'm here to stay. And I guess since we're talking about classes, uh, Satlana, I'd, I'd like to know when it comes to your teaching style and who you are as an instructor. Could you tell, tell us a little bit about that? I'm one of those annoying teachers who pay a lot of attention to detail, mm-hmm. and I 
until I see you do it right, I'm going to keep making you do it over and over and over and over again. Because I really feel like form is so important. A lot of people who come to the class, they kind of know the general idea of the movement, Mm -hmm. but they don't understand exactly when and how and why does the movement happen. And that's what I try to pay attention to because I want you to understand and feel what what you want to do with your body how you want that hand to go out into mm-hmm. a position because if you just kick it out it, it leaves out all of the grace of katak you need to feel that the wrists the knuckles the fingertips everything should be working all the angles all the positions so i really pay attention to that but at the same time i'm not a strict teacher at all like i'm annoying but i'm not strict so i Mm. will make you work but i will not push anyone to tears or say that it was bad because i know what's what it's like i've experienced that myself when the teacher was a little bit of either they didn't care at all like yeah do whatever i'll just I'll just watch. Mm. Or it was the other one where it was like, you have to do this. And I'm like almost crying saying, no, I can't do this. And they say, no, you can't just keep doing it. And I'm like, no, it hurts. You know, it's impossible. And then they still push me Mm. through my barrier in my mind that I have. So it was a tough learning experience, but it made me grow. It made me push through the walls that I thought were impossible to, you know, to take on. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of soft, but I really encourage people to not just come to the class because showing up is half of the work. The other half is what you do after the class until you come to the next class because mm-hmm. you need to do your homework. I understand we live in a fast-paced time. Everybody's busy. I get it. But if you have five minutes a day, and trust me, everybody has five minutes a day, even Elon Musk or Bill Gates or whoever, that you have five minutes a day, you do your footwork, you do your hands, you do your chakras, the spins, you pick a piece that you want to practice, you do it for five minutes a day. That's better than doing nothing and then showing up to the class without having anything rehearsed and being lost because you can't remember what is where. So yeah, that's that's my style. I encourage people to <clears throat> pay attention to detail and to train with themselves and uh, get themselves exposed to other teachers as well. Because having only one teacher puts you in a little bit of in a box, which is sometimes good, But oftentimes, especially now, it kind of limits you. Mm. So you limit yourself to only what your teacher knows and shows you. You don't Mm. know what else is going on in the world. So it's Mm. sometimes it's good to, you know, get exposed to different styles because it challenges you every single time. And uh, yeah, I encourage that. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I love that you found that balance because yes, cause especially like in Kathak and in like whenever you start out anything new, if you are faced with, you know, a lot of, if, if someone is too strict, that essentially drives away the people who need it the most. So I love that you found that and you, the, your style kind of reminds me of my instructor Tanvir Alam because he pushes me, but when, you know, my shoulder starts hurting, he doesn't like push beyond that. And he's like, okay, fine, go drink some water. So, uh. I mean, there's lots of different teachers and teaching mm. styles. I've seen people who are really like bullies. Like they, mm. their students are afraid of them. They're afraid to say a word. They right. do become great students, but that comes not from a place of being inspired, but from a place of being scared that you will get, I don't know, punished or something. Right. So uh, both techniques exist. They both mm-hmm. work, especially in India. It's more common to have that from the authority point of view that right. I'm the teacher, you do what I say, don't ask questions, just, just do it. You know, mm-hmm. well, I, I try to be your partner, not to be above you and tell you what to do. I try to be with you. 
right you know so I feel like that's that's just more my style and I feel if someone if, if I was treated that way when I was starting I would have maybe reached reached higher places by now but maybe mm. not I don't know <laughs> you just got to find that um the right approach for every student okay okay that's nice and I guess uh, more of a question since you talked about uh, you know, you being open to, or maybe if I heard it wrong, let me know that you being open to like your students being exposed to multiple styles of Katha. So I guess uh, if you're say a beginner and you, you're learning under you and they go to a workshop and they learn a hashtag a certain way and they bring that back to your class and you have to make corrections, does that, do you see that getting in the way of teaching them the way you intended it to? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, again, every guru, every teacher has their own style. You're absolutely yes. right. And, uh, some styles is just it's just you know you kind of think that this is the style of a certain guru mm-hmm. or teacher but in reality a lot of the times is just under um not enough explanation of how it should be done mm. so people misread and miss repeat what they're supposed to do you know they see hands in a position and it's either too high or too low or too mm. sloppy you know, because no one ever corrected them when it's right. supposed to be straight line, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is kind of a mistake. But then again, how do you correct that if someone's been doing this for 10 years without even thinking? Right. Then you have to correct because that's the foundation of the foundations, how to hold your hands in the foundational mm-hmm. position. You got a straight line, you know, no angles, no sloppy elbows, no gaps between your fingers, all of those things. So uh, I try to slightly correct it. I'm not going to tell them that this is wrong. I'm going to say, this is how I do. If you want to learn my style, let's do it my style. If you want to learn some other style, go ahead. Mm. And uh, I try to actually give people options. Like sometimes the foundational position has a aral gesture Mm -hmm. of the fingers. And sometimes it's pataka, so just a plain hand. And if people find it very confusing to do this, sometimes they misdo the gesture in, in crazy ridiculous ways so right. i just make okay just make it make it a pataka make it mm-hmm. a straight line you'll be better off than doing something that does not exist in katak you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um yeah i try to give them options find the find the way that works for you uh sometimes i encourage people to not feel bad if for example they cannot do three spins in a row so I say, okay, you got three counts, do two spins instead, yeah? So you just split that time of three spins into two. So you'll be more clean. It will look a lot nicer, a lot more graceful, but you will still be within the rhythm, within the music. So mm-hmm. I try not to discourage anyone. I just say, okay, here's what you, here's what you got to do. Please focus on your elbows. Please focus on your feet, on your whatever. Everybody has their own issue thing to focus on. Right. And yeah, and just pay attention to that. And then when they consciously understand what I'm saying, they understand what I'm trying to, you know, what I'm trying to get them to do, then mm-hmm. they start automatically improving themselves. Not because I told them, but mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. I Really, I've been, you know, my shoulders were too high or my feet were too far apart or any other issue. They start mm-hmm. consciously correcting themselves. And that's like, a self-learning machine you know mm-hmm. you start analyzing what you do and then once you do it enough times it becomes automatic you don't even need to think about it anymore so yeah that's that's the way to go hmm. yeah since you mentioned chakras it's been interesting because 
uh for the long uh, i used to be stuck at chakras and i still am because uh, i haven't done classes since november um immigration some yeah long story but uh what really helped me is what used to happen is when i used to take chakras my glasses used to take their own chakras so i would be spinning and my glasses would go on and i didn't want to wear contact lenses every single time i would practice because daily is are expensive so then i found this rope that you can attach to your glasses and then tighten that up and after that i realized that i used to spin slower just because of the fear of my glasses falling off so once this was gone <laughs> and it was like tied to my face i could like spin with more freedom right so that's that's something like those are just things you don't think about but like uh, that's kind of how i started doing my chakras more and i, I and you mentioned like placing your hands and hands which is interesting because uh, when i started out Tanvir would always tell me like, "Hey Pramit, don't throw your hands. Place your hands." And I was always like, "I don't know what you mean," because they will look they look the same to me. So exactly. So I try to explain those things. I I show how not to do, and then mm. I show how to do and how exactly to where and which mm. part of your body goes where when and how which okay. angle bit by bit. You know, mm. where is your face as you start turning? Face is the first thing to come back because you have that spot. So all of those things, I break them down. No matter if you're advanced or if you're, right. it's your first class in your life, I still mm-hmm. explain it to everyone because you know some people they've been doing kathak for twenty years they don't know this because no one ever you know told them and they mm-hmm. no 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 one ever made them think about it, which right. is even worse. You know they just uh, yeah. So it's it's good. It's really good to explain and try to be a friend to your student mm-hmm. than than to be a, a this. A, very highly sitting king telling mm-hmm. them what to do without explaining anything but that's just again that's just yeah. entirely my, my point of view yeah. both ways work both ways of teaching have created incredible students incredible dancers generations mm-hmm. of dancers For sure. but it's just uh, i'm a very sensitive person so i really mm-hmm. feel like bullying and uh, shaming and mm-hmm. those things they don't work in a healthy relationship between people, whether mm-hmm. it's partners or friends or student and teacher in any mm-hmm. kind of boss and employee, mm-hmm. either way, it has to be a healthy relationship. So I try right. to uh, encourage that. Understood. And kind of that kind of we can, that kind of brings me to my next question here. I guess uh, just another question on corrections, because when you're talking about Zoom corrections, we are looking at each other in the two dimensions. So there are certain angles and things you may miss out. You may like it's it's harder to figure out what the depth is and things like that. So where they're placing their feet. So uh, how what if are these challenges you faced? And if so, how how have you overcome them when teaching your students? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I face those challenges a lot. So first of all, I mirror my video. Okay. So when I do my right hand, they see it as right hand. Mm-hmm. So that really helps because they don't need to mirror you in their head, thinking yes. oh which is right, which is left. So that mm-hmm. helps. It's things number one. Thing number two. Kathak is about geometry, really, mm-hmm. and angles. And then I just say, okay, side to side is 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. Half of that, you look to the front, that's 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. Half of that, that's 45. So you have the corners. Mm-hmm. So if you work within that space, you need to align your body with your hand mm-hmm. to whether you're doing a diagonal or a side or a mm-hmm. front. So it's not because your hand goes there but because mm. your body goes there and the hand mm. is just attached to the body. That's why the hand moves. Right. So I try to show that and make them understand, oh, okay, 45 degrees corner. It's very easy. You know, mm. even if you know nothing about geometry, you still know what's a corner of your room or your right, space. Right, right. 
So you focus on that and make mm -hmm. sure you're not standing straight and taking out your hand in the mm -hmm. corner, but you're aligning your body, your feet, your uh, neck, all of your stretches into that pose. And that's, that really helps. So I just say this out loud every single time. And mm -hmm. I also tend to show the side view because mm -hmm. in the side view, you really see a lot of the things you don't see if people are just facing you like that. So that helps. Those things help. So eventually, you know, you are the person who gets the final say and makes those decisions and leads them. So how do you find that balance between not being like on a demigod status and not being one of the students also? That's that's a great question. Well, <clears throat> I get your point. This this actually might happen, but I guess I'm lucky because before I started teaching, I've already become this recognizable girl in, in right. this dance. So everybody knew what I did. Everybody seen mm. at least one of my videos somewhere and right. they recognized my talent, my ability. So they can't come to me from the point of, okay, you are inspiring me or I think you are, you know, exactly what you're doing. You look like you're not just a fusion dancer who knows nothing about Kathak. You look like a Kathak dancer who does fusion. Mm. And that's a, that's a huge difference between those two, those two things. So when, when they, they kind of recognize me as the, a leader in mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. so yeah and i still try to maintain relationships professional of course you develop a friendship right. kind of with your students especially mm -hmm. regular ones but at the same time you know you still correct them if they're not doing it right you tell them okay remember we discussed this this is what you need to adjust remember we fixed your positions remember this and they're like oh yeah okay 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 so mm -hmm. they still recognize that even though uh we are in good relationships i still have I'm still like the, the leader the one who shows you the way you mm -hmm. know what I mean yep. and they kind of uh, let me be there mm -hmm. I don't have to I don't really have to prove myself in, in this particular case so yeah. almost everyone who comes to my classes they already know mm -hmm. what I who I am what I've done before what kind of stuff I do so yeah I guess I'm uh, lucky in that sense do you get students who come to you who are starstruck, who've seen all your videos, who are super fans and, you know, they already come to you knowing your entire life story and you've just <laughs> met them. So yeah, this happens how... once in a while. Okay. <laughs> and uh, not only the students, but often their moms or their parents as right. well. <laughs> it's because Kathak is a family friendly thing mm -hmm. to watch. So they, they watch my videos with their entire families. So yes, that happens. If I put myself in a professional environment, I mm -hmm. stay in it. I so see. I don't try to be your best friend when I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. I try to be friendly, but professional. So okay. I, I'm i like, I appreciate all the love. I appreciate everything. And often after the class, some people who want to give some feedback, they say, oh, you know, I've seen all your videos and it's so cool. But yeah, I try, I try to just jump right into work, right into mm. the rehearsal. And that's what kind of kicks them out of that <laughs> state. And they just, oh, okay, okay. This is actually not easy. Let me, let me pay attention. Since you're talking about a te like teaching your students and training them and just getting into it. So say if you get students, you know, uh, who, uh, who you feel are falling behind or not practicing as much as they should, uh, how do you deal with those situations to get them back on track and see what's going on? Well, uh, I try to talk to them and see what exactly is the issue, because in most cases, it's not even the time. We think mm. time is the issue because we're all busy and stuff. But mm -hmm. really, 
as simple as five minutes a day. That's what I tell to all my students. You don't have an, you don't need to have an hour to train every day, like a professional dancer or three, four hours, actually like a professional dancer, Mm. but you have five minutes. Do, go and do the, some footwork, go do some hands, go do some spins, go do some tukra or some tihai or anything that we have learned in the class just to revise. Okay, if you don't have five minutes to dance, think about it in your head. Try to remember the positioning. Try to remember how this works. This will help because there are so many studies about uh, sportsmen and uh, people who people who think in their mind about how they're going to play the game or do the performance, they actually perform as good as those who have actually trained and did their rehearsal. So it's like a very psychological thing. It really helps. So if you get, uh, if any of my students get, get off track or lost or something, I just uh, try to help with some suggestions, you know, just keep training, even if it's in your head. Keep watching some videos for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep trying new things. Get yourself exposed to different teachers. You're sick and tired of me? Go to another teacher. Train mm-hmm. with them. See how you like their style. Maybe it's more strict and more like authoritative. And maybe that's what you need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not everybody is like, oh, okay, she told me to practice. So I'll go practice because I'm so inspired. Not everybody's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just uh, everybody's such a people are all individual there's no two people alike so you everybody mm-hmm. needs a, a personal kind of approach to them mm-hmm. um so i try to find that and uh usually it works usually it works i try to encourage people to keep going okay okay i'm glad it's working and that's a, that's a question i always ask all the teachers um especially when i'm not practicing enough and some of them catch on to it but yeah uh that's I, I really like what you said about five minutes like just start at five minutes a day i always think it's 45 or nothing at least for me and i get stuck there because i could do zero 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 instead of 45 something. you know why five minutes because it's yeah. a trick because if you do this for five minutes you'll feel like oh you know this feels good actually i can go for another 10 and then or maybe mm. another half an hour and and that's how you get that practice in so five minutes is just like a trick to mm. to get yourself <laughs> to get yourself going you know it's the oh. same with the gym with mm-hmm. the workout like if you don't want to work out okay do five push-ups whatever do five push-ups you did five push-ups now okay i feel so good about myself i'll do go stand in a plank for a minute or, or right. two minutes or three you know so then oh okay actually i'm not that tired so i can go do some bench presses mm-hmm. or whatever you know mm-hmm. it, it works it's like a trick to your mind because we're not as lazy as we think it's just we mm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. Cause <laughs> if you just see that I can do this for five minutes and yeah, uh, I'm going to try that for sure. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I love it yeah. when I learn on the, cool. when I talk to people about this. So um, I guess my next question is, since you mentioned the gym and this says, um, this is a very interesting topic because, you know, footwork itself and Kathak practice can seem very physically intensive. But, uh, you know, if, if you're kind of pushing the bounds of what you can do physically with Kathak, you need to have a strong, uh, you know, training regimen as well. So, in, and I've heard, uh, like, based on what I've gotten the feedback, like a lot of Kathakers do yoga and things like that. But in terms of a training regimen, is there some exercise or workout routine you found that works well with your dance practice? Well, the best thing you can do if you want to get better at spins, for example, or mm-hmm. the lifts is to work on the core muscles. Like the plank exercise, it's easy. You don't need a gym. You don't need any equipment. You just stand on your uh, elbows and uh, toes mm-hmm. and then just hold it for like okay. side ones and the front ones. Okay. Plank 
uh, any kind of ab exercises that work throughout your core. That's mm -hmm. really the, the most important thing that most Katak people don't work on. And I was one of them. I just started working out a couple of years ago because I thought, okay, again, I need to trick myself into doing this so it becomes easier, you know, so it becomes a habit and I don't have to force mm -hmm. myself anymore to do it. So, uh, yeah, uh, core is important, but otherwise everything else, it, it's up to you because okay. a lot of people do it just for the uh, aesthetics. Mm -hmm. They want toner muscles, you know, bigger muscles or something, depending right. on if you're a boy or a girl. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not necessary because Katak, it does train your muscles, but then, of course, not in a way that uh, weightlifting will. It's mm -hmm. mostly cardio, I would say. Okay. Cardio and a little bit of like uh, bicep and... Uh, quads quad, quads quads like the the leg muscles yeah. and right. the calves um and um the chest yeah. but what about everything else the the the, the abs they don't work when you do kataku not really not really not not, not much mm -hmm. so if you train it it improves your posture and it improves your um axis when you spin okay. so it's it's it's, it's easier to hold it straight Mm -hmm. without losing balance or anything when your core is strong but i'm, I'm not someone with a strong core i'm just working mm -hmm. on it <laughs> I see. i'm a work in progress right. <laughs> uh, i guess i wish i learned that sooner mm -hmm. but uh, you know there's always a there's always a time to learn new things uh -huh. and since you talked about practice uh, could you tell us a little bit about what your rias looks like what are your rias rituals what are you typically doing and how do you decide what to do on a particular day so I do practice my footwork mm -hmm. because the, if you don't do it for a long enough time, the clarity of the sound you make kind of drops. So it becomes a little more blended. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's yeah. having very clear feet at a very fast speed is really difficult unless you just do it all the time. Yeah. So I do that. And then I try to do chakars, not just to the left shoulder side, but to the other one as well. Because mm. again, traditional is always... 90% of the time it's to the left side. But nowadays, again, Katak is changing as time goes by. It's a lot more contemporary now. Mm -hmm. So we do both sides now. We do jumps now. We do sit-ups. We do all sorts of things that were not, we're really not there in Katak, mm -hmm. say 20, 30, 40 years ago. You know, it's it's changed a lot. It's a lot more athletic, like I mentioned. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I do chakras, I do footwork. Uh, I sometimes do expressions. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually that's a part of choreographing something mm. for the Katak Fusion class. Because when I do Katak right. Fusion class, it's not just Katak technique. It has to have some Bollywood expressions to it. Mm -hmm. So I, I practice that. It's really fun to, to explore that because you think you know everything and then you start choreographing a new song. And then you realize, oh my God, there's so many more things I can learn. There's so many more things I can add. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're inspired, because I, I come from a place of, I would never choreograph a song that I don't like. I only pick mm. songs that I really connect to and then I'm inspired. And then I just put that into the song and create something. It's not saying it's always good, but mm -hmm. it's always created from a place of passion. Mm. So uh, yeah, Maria's footwork, spins, expressions, mm -hmm. hands and everything else less. So I just focus on the basics because... That's really all you need to stay in shape. Yeah. And for every class, I have to do different material. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that kind of becomes my riyaz because I need to choreograph for every single student mm -hmm. and stay dancing with them throughout the class. I don't sit on a chair while they are doing their work. I'm doing it with them all the time. 
and we we'll, uh, and you mentioned Kathak Fusion and we will go into that. But before that, I just want to touch upon like your Kathak training and background, if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, I've been trained under my Guruji. She's mm-hmm. Russian. She has a very long name. Uh, Ekaterina Yurevna Silivorstva. But all her Indian colleagues, they call her Kataji. Mm-hmm. So she has completed her training in Kathak, uh, in Katakendra in India, the National mm-hmm. Institute of Kathak. Mm-hmm. She was trained in Jaipur Gharana. And uh, she always tells me funny stories about how she took exams. And Birju Maharajji was one of the guys who was watching her perform when it was the exam time and she oh. was like so nervous because he's a legend mm. but even back then in the 90s when she was doing mm. the training even 80s i think she was there in the 80s uh so yeah <clears throat> um i've been learning katak from her mm-hmm. because after she graduated she came back to russia she, she started her um, classical katak dance studio in the year 2000 and I came to her maybe in 2001 or 2002 so I basically I've been with her from the uh, from the beginning almost from the very beginning and mm. I'm still with her because I, I, I still <clears throat> sometimes take classes from her because when I feel stuck when I feel like mm. I need some <clears throat> extra inspiration or an extra mentoring from her because she's not just teaching you dance she's teaching mm. you a lot more than that, really. She, she's mm. teaching you structure. She's teaching you to understand the structure mm. of the tal and the structure of the composition so you can compose your own things easily mm. like that. You don't need to depend on her to give you new material. You can just, if you understand that the tal is 16 beats, you take mm. two of our thumbs, it's 32, uh, 32. So you need to compose something that's going to be 32 plus one to end on some. So it could be anything really. So when you understand the structure, uh, it's uh, it's really it's really great. Hmm. And then yeah, uh, parallel to training from her, I've been attending this kind of distant learning course from uh, Prayag Sangeet Samiti. That's a classical music and dance university in uh, Allahabad in India. Yeah. So every year, someone from that university would go to Moscow mm-hmm. uh, to to take exams. So every year we would have to pass the theory, the mm. praxis, the performance, all of it in writing, in uh, orally, uh, you know, in, in, in all kinds of uh, okay. form. So I, I completed six course, six years of that. So I have my bachelor's degree in Kathak okay. from that university. But again, that's a formal training. But reality mm. was that we were, I was training with my Guruji. And mm. even though it was kind of a hobby for me, it was a very time-consuming hobby. I would spend mm. all my weekends, all my days outside of school. And I was just sometimes refused to meet my friends or family just to be in class. I was really dedicated. And uh, I guess that pays off. You really need to be, you really need to know what you're doing and then go for it. Because when you feel mm. like you found the right teacher, someone mm. who makes you grow, it's, it's, really, it's really rare to find a teacher like that. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. some people just do their job and they don't care. Other mm-hmm. people are bullies, but some, people's, some people are just, uh, they were born to be teachers, you know. They, mm-hmm. they might be strict, but it's for your benefit. Like, I've never mm-hmm. heard my Guruji say that, wow, this was great. She mm-hmm. would never in their lifetime say that. Mm-hmm. But she would still be proud and I would just see it on her face when, you know, because if everybody else is like, wow, this was amazing, she'll be like, you could have done better you know that and i'm like yeah i know that (laughs) 
so so she knows me so well that she can say those things and that's something that always kept me going you know i never mm. thought oh i'm so great now i can stop learning right Th- that was never the mindset the mindset was always oh yeah i, I can do better than this mm-hmm. so next time i challenge myself and again and again and again and again so mm. you never stop learning so yeah even though i've completed my formal training mm. back in 2013 I guess Mm -hmm. but I've been educating myself I've been learning from other dancers and other teachers I've taken multiple workshops from uh, Rajendra Gangani ji Jaipur Karana Prerna Srimali ji there's there was a whole bunch of other uh, teachers Sanjukta Sinha Mm -hmm. uh, Vidhalal Mm. Hirendra Tiwari and then of course Kumar Sharma so I've taken Mm. classes from all of those people and uh, even though Kumar ended up being my dance partner, so we performed together, I still learned so many things from him because yes. he is a one of a kind. He basically mm. created his own dance style out of uh, out of the traditional Kathak. She just he just trained with a mirror, basically. He was looking at himself, looking at some videos on YouTube, trying to recreate that in front of the mirror, and then adding some of his own style, some of mm. his own stuff to it. Mm. And and because he lived in Mumbai, he incorporated that larger than life kind of a uh you know scope and volume to his performances so everything he does it looks like kathak but if you see it in 3d in a studio you'll be what 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 is he doing exactly where did that come from i've never Mm. seen any other kathak dancer do that because it's much wider much louder much more powerful than it it, it used to be i guess Mm. but it's really cool so it's uh, i guess that's just how that's just how the the dance form keeps moving and keeps getting young people interested because mm-hmm. hey this looks actually cool this doesn't look like the boring kathak i thought it was mm-hmm. it looks like cool kathak that i want to learn now and that's that's the goal basically we want to get as many mm-hmm. people as possible to get inspired and to start learning right and you, you mentioned like kathak being cool and boring which is very interesting because uh, i live in indiana I was the first male dancer in my academy. So I, 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 when we got to performances, like I was talking to some of the girls there who were 12, 13 years old. Because they, they lived in a place, they lived in a place where they may not be like, they didn't feel comfortable sharing their, that they were doing Kathak. So, they, so amongst their peers, no one else knew that they were practicing this dance form because they were kind, they were at an age, they were kind of ashamed to share that. So I found that really interesting because I'm at an age where I'm really proud to say that I do, I do Kathak, even though if, if I've taken a year of Kathak, I'd be like super happy about it. So <laughs> that uh, it, the Kathak being perceived as cool or like people like accepting it and being proud of it, especially important in the US and like not so much in say California and places like that, but more in like the heartland, the Midwest and things like that. So that's just something I've seen. And uh, Another thing I want to touch upon is since you mentioned Russia, and I have, uh, I think you're the first person I've interviewed from Russia. Yes, it is. So could you tell us a little bit about the Kathak scene in Russia? It must, I, mean, I guess, and how it's evolved over the time you've been doing Kathak there. Well, there's uh, the Indian community in Russia is super tiny. Mm-hmm. You cannot compare it to the ones you guys have in Canada, US or UK, or Australia or any mm-hmm. big country. It's really, right. it's a super minority people don't even know there are any Indian people in Russia because they're mm. just a bunch of families, basically. Interesting. So all of the, most of the Kathak dance teachers are Russians. Kathak, mm. Bharatnatyam, Kuchipuri, Odissi, they're all Russian dance okay. teachers who trained in India. So they got their training mm. from India, came back, started teaching there. So that includes my Guruji, that includes um, 
three, four other main uh, Kathak dance teachers in, uh, in Russia. There's only one uh, Indian origin dance teacher, but he has been living in Russia most of his life. So he's more mm. Russian than Indian now. <laughs> right. Even though he's from India. So yeah, the scene is is the following. Uh, usually people start um, her, uh, first hear about Kathak. Uh, it, it's like a, almost a classic path. They start mm. with belly dance because they just mm. like the, the, the Eastern culture. The then they discover thing. Bollywood mm-hmm. and then they discover Kathak. Oh. So not everybody goes through the entire <laughs> uh, this path, but that's that's mm. uh, when I was t- uh, training. That's what I saw. That's what I've seen because a lot of people they came either from Bollywood or from belly dance background, mm. and they just saw that oh this this is actually this is the like the technique like the actual technique with, like, that they use in Bollywood. Like yeah, that that's what it is. I'm like oh okay, so then why was I doing Bollywood? I want to learn this i need to learn the foundations mm. first and then go use them in a f- fancy bollywood uh, performances so mm-hmm. yeah people are really supportive but uh, again it's not very competitive because mm-hmm. there's just a bunch of bunch of uh, schools mm-hmm. um it's not very popular obviously so me doing that in i understand now why my videos from russia and ukraine's got talent doing kathak went viral because it's unheard of no one does mm. that it's such a it's not a country where you would expect it's not a country with a huge Indian population where you yeah. would expect something like this to happen so it's really it's really cool to show to share our culture you know mm. with with the people who never seen anything like this and they might not even understand what this is all about but they mm. look at it and they feel the love and they like it and they just get inspired or they start daydreaming about something some some of their own memories so that's really that's really cool people get exposed to other cultures and that's what creates um, a strong and diverse society you know with with acceptance with tolerance with um just appreciation of other country uh, of other of other cultures Mm. um yeah so it's something like that something like that there's still a long way to go but um i feel like it's it's good to keep that 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 we got started it's good that we Mm. have not just bollywood teachers but we actually have classically trained baradnatyam kuchipuri katak dance teachers it's really cool that we have that i was very lucky to have a teacher like that because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who teach they have no idea what they're doing (laughs) and no idea Mm. i thought i'm I'm very underqualified to teach because i think oh i still have an entire life to learn Right. But then I see people who don't even know how to hold the basic hands and have no idea what they're doing and they are teaching. I'm like, oh my God, I, mm-hmm. I, I need to I need to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, um knowledge is power. Yeah. Knowledge <laughs> is power. Yes. <laughs> uh, the last thing you said about um yeah, that the dilution of teaching in Kathak that's a sentiment that Nikita Di expressed herself as well where if someone just gets a Vishara they start teaching immediately and why that's not a healthy practice especially in Bombay that's a huge thing uh, I find it very interesting that you said that belly dancing leads to Kathak mainly because uh, you know Kathak has no torso movement and that's because in the history of Kathak we used to at some point and then it became like super strict and just to differentiate it for, for historical reasons. And so I find it very interesting that a dance form that has so many torso movements leads people to something that has zero right now. 
yeah. yes and then what you said then yes the what he talked about getting people into kathak a lot of yeah that's something that's uh, uh, devaji talks about extensively that he doesn't teach a kathak tarana at the first one he starts off with a simple you know simple bollywood number then a kathak based bollywood number and then every time he takes a new workshop he gets them more and more and that's his trick to get more, more people involved into kathak Mm. so yeah the really good insights there satlana ji and i guess uh, uh, from here i just wanted to touch upon like say kathak fusion because you know you're doing it uh, kumar ji is doing it and there's a lot of talk about it so i guess for, just to start off with to set the stage what, to you what is kathak fusion and where do, where does it and what are the lines between fusion and say shud kathak or pure kathak for you yeah pure kathak differs from kathak fusion mm-hmm. with one or maybe maximum two things okay number one is the music because mm-hmm. you cannot perform so if you perform to pure hindustani classical music mm-hmm. that's kathak you mm. know and then number two is the choreography because if you do fusion it's usually done to either a bollywood song or a western pop song with some indian beats infused into it right so uh you have to you cannot do pure kathak to that because it's going to look a little awkward or maybe a little off right. because the body language of kathak is so um um how do you say innocent it's so uh pure it's so uh graceful it's so kind of shy you know what yeah. i mean and then when you do fusion you open up you expose yourself a lot more than you would you you use a lot more um actively your facial expressions mm. and your 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 moves your speed it's all larger than life and mm. i love both and i always teach both i know a lot of people who only teach pure uh, pure kathak or pure fusion mm. like or they call it bollywood mm. it could be called bollywood dance as well but then bollywood dance can be hip hop as well yeah. right so mm-hmm. some people call it semi classical there's so many names for it right. but i prefer to call it kathak fusion because you still use the foundation of kathak everything is still based on it you just make it a little louder a little wider a little maybe faster a little mm. more expressive you know mm. and you do it to a non non hindustani classical uh, music mm-hmm. that's the only difference really but then people get confused people start thinking that oh you know semi classical so i can i can make a gestures mudras that don't exist in kathak or bharatnatyam and i'm like no you cannot you know <laughs> it's still based on classical dance it's semi classical but it's still mm. classical so you cannot do this you know you cannot do okay gesture when you're supposed to do hamsasya or aral or anything or katakamukha right. you, you cannot do that and a lot of people do it because i think oh you know it's semi classical so i can do whatever i want no <laughs> so uh, i do love both and i encourage people to do both and i've uh, just a couple of days i've uh, shared my thoughts on fusion because i'm like considered to be by a lot of traditional conservative kathak dancers and considered to be not a kathak dancer but a kathak fusion dancer mm-hmm. uh because i do fusions because most purely classical dancers especially of the yeah. uh, more senior generations they refuse the concept of bollywood or fusion whatsoever mm-hmm. uh because they for their own reasons they like right. the pure but i like both but i do mm-hmm. encourage people to start always with the pure form and then once you're comfortable with all the foundations your chakras are clean your footwork is clean and sharp you mm-hmm. know exactly all the gestures all the mudras all the positions 
you don't need to think about that. You don't need to relearn it again. You just take that foundation. And then with that, you build your Bollywood-ish fusion presence. So um, that's what I encourage. But time has changed. Everything is so fast now. Nobody wants to spend 5, 10, 15, 20 years like I did training pure form and then getting into fusion. They want fusion now. Like I have, I currently have, I'm teaching Katak for beginners. I'm teaching Katak for like upper intermediate, more experienced dancers. And I'm teaching Katak fusion. Mm. Where do you think I have the most students <laughs> in terms of? <laughs> fusion, I assume, but. Yes, the mo most, the absolute majority of people go to fusion. Mm -hmm. And then a few people go to the beginner's class. Yes. And then even less go to upper intermediate advanced because, yeah. yeah and that just reflects you know what the society mm. wants people want fast bollywood mm. stuff but nobody's willing to put in 10 years of work and again i don't want to scare anyone by saying that it takes 10 years before you can do fusion it's just some people can do it in one year you know i know mm. people who've been dancing katak for 20 years they're still bad in all of their foundations and there's i guess there's mm. nothing you can do about that mm. but some people are geniuses and they get to advanced level in couple of years two three years they're like wow mm. but that's very rare i'm not mm. i'm not even one of those people i had to try i had to take the long <laughs> the long path mm. but yeah um it's just uh it's if if you want to do fusion so much do it with the classic the pure classic classes mm -hmm. uh the pure kata classes uh that's better than doing just fusion and mm -hmm. then trying to repeat the choreography which is all based on kata not knowing what the hell is going on you know like mm. not knowing any positions so it's just um you know it's not very productive to do that a lot of people right. do that okay because for fun for inspiration but right it's really good to um do pure katak as well okay so do you see it uh, do you see a time where or based on what you've seen in the students like the people who started into katak fusion do you, do you think there's going to be a gradual flow of the students who stick around into taking more classical Kathak lessons with you as well do you see that happening like they're moving I do see that happening I've had people who signed up only for the fusion and yes. then they realized that you know what I realized after taking a bunch of your fusion classes that mm. I need to polish my foundation so mm. can I join your pure classical class I'm like, yes thank you <laughs> yes <laughs> go ahead do this I'm so proud of you for thinking mm. that way you know not mm -hmm. thinking oh I'm so great I don't need Kathak yeah. no nobody is great enough to not learn the classics and then move on to fusion so yeah it's um not everyone of course yeah the majority still wants the easy way and that's fine i understand that that's the mm -hmm. world we live in but those few who are really dedicated and who understand yeah. that it takes it's a it's a process before yeah. you get to that level of grace yeah uh, i guess i i'm in it for for them because they really inspire me that hey you know, we live in a fast-paced time, but they still will—they're still willing to do the work, mm. everyday hard work, and uh, it's really mm. great to have people like that. Right. Uh, I'm curious about whether it's—if it's a product of our time or it's just that most people, whenever they take up something new, there is—they're going to be beginners in that. 90 because 90 percent of, of people who take up anything are just going to be beginners in that form, regardless of it's a hobby or a martial art. Very few people are going to take that journey of 10 years. 
and try to do something so i think it's a like a natural progress of people falling out of things they initially were really excited but then you know didn't do what was needed to stick on to it or they realized it didn't work for them and one yeah. thing i want to ask you is uh, i know that you're a huge elon musk fan and so <laughs> i am uh, so in one of so when he was just starting out spacex and privatizing space uh buzz aldrin the third i think he was the third person on the moon so one of the most famous astronauts of our time he said he was really against privatizing space and he was like this should not happen and elon musk was really you know like heard by that you could see it yeah yeah you could see it one in one of his 60 minutes interviews that he's trying to do this i've seen viewers. that one yeah so i was on that note on that note if you comfortable ask, answering this chatlani when you see like when you say like uh, you were saying that when you do this kathak fusion and you you said that you you face some pushback from the classical artists the senior artists how do you feel about that and how do you deal with that well <clears throat> at first i of course i felt discouraged i started questioning myself and my my sanity because i know that i've done pure kathak for at least 15 years before i started doing any kind of fusion or bollywood or anything like that but they don't know that Mm-hmm. because they always see the most viral popular videos which are usually not pure kathak they mm-hmm. are fusions so that's all they see that's all they know so they don't have the full picture which is fine we only see people by what we see on social media we don't see the, the entire story and you know we just see the tip of the iceberg but that's fine so at mm-hmm. first i was kind of discouraged but then i realized hey yeah you know they they don't know the entire picture but and it's just their opinion after all you know mm-hmm. if what i do brings a thousand more people every i don't know every month okay maybe every year to kathak then what they do in a year maybe they maybe they bring 10 people maybe i bring thousand people mm-hmm. and, and it's i just feel like we're doing different things both things should exist it's just that i try to um uh, do it at a larger scale you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah. because what i do inspires people Right. And what they do is daily hard work that right. once you get that inspired student you'll start polishing that mm. di- to to get the the diamond out of that rock. Right. So both jobs are important. I'm not saying someone is wrong or that I'm right and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm never, never going to say that. I'm right. just saying both things need to coexist and that's the I guess that that's the reason why Kathak has uh, survived for so long mm-hmm. because it kept evolving from temples to muslim courts to stage to now tiktok or whatever wherever you want to perform this mm-hmm. you know it has to adapt it has to change whether you like it or not it's going to happen anyway mm-hmm. what they say when they say they don't like fusion is exactly what i said when people who have no idea what kathak is they jump into the fusion they do it all wrong all hands are sloppy i don't like that too i'm against mm-hmm. that kind of fusion as well you I know see. what i mean so uh Yeah that's that's my uh my core but i don't think there's anything that can happen that's going to discourage me from kathak mm. or teaching kathak fusion not there's nothing anyone can say to discourage me right now because i know that what i'm doing brings value to people brings makes their lives a little better a little more happy a little more inspired and uh yeah that's that's why i'm in this business that's what i'm doing this thank you for sharing that and it's very interesting what we find controversial at what point because uh, there was a time when group choreography was considered controversial kathak was traditionally a solo art form and kumi band kind of changed all of that 
with me and yeah. choreography. So in her time, group choreography was the thing where shouldn't be doing this. It's not traditional. And right. yeah, it's one of the things where Kathak is very interesting because it's been able to evolve because it's not primarily from one source. It's been syncretic from Hindu and Muslim influences, like it said. So it's been evolving the whole time. So that's right. always been fascinating for sure. And kind of that kind. And I guess one thing I want to ask you is, uh, so about your choreographic investigation. So when I, what I mean by that is, when you hear a song and you've decided this is going to become a dance or a choreography, what is the process look like from you listening to the song to it becoming a final piece? Well, first I listen to the song as is a couple of times, mm -hmm. fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. Then I cut out a section that I'm going to choreograph because usually, again, fast-paced time, fast-paced life so we don't have time to choreograph five seven minutes of a song we do one minute maybe uh, for like for a class because how much can you learn in one hour class maybe one minute of song mm. so I cut out that one minute song put in my headphones thank god we have wireless headphones these days so you don't have to be plugged into anything you can move around and uh, I start yeah it's just oh, oh I so oh, also as I start, first I start with just the feeling, how the song makes me feel. Then mm -hmm. I look up the lyrics translation uh, line by line because I want to make sure I don't I get everything right. Because right. again, it doesn't have to be exactly word to word what mm -hmm. you choreograph and what they sing, right. but it has to be around that you know idea, around that feeling. So mm -hmm. I need to understand, I have to understand. And when I teach, again, I also have to say the lines in Hindi so that they know what where which sound, which word to catch. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then I just, uh, I go, I try to go through the feeling first because mm -hmm. when you try to choreograph for the sake of choreographing, it often becomes a little mechanical. If you know what I mean, it, it doesn't have, it lacks a little bit of soul, a little bit of a feeling. Right. So I try to go through the feeling. It's hard because mm -hmm. as a choreographer, you want to do cool stuff, mm -hmm. new stuff some fancy stuff but right. really it's all about the feeling so if you feel like this this part of a song makes you want to move in that way then that's probably the the right way then, of course you can polish a little bit mm -hmm. change the side change the angle but i try to go from a point of feeling and then into the choreography then then the, the vice versa yeah going from the choreography to the feeling and then forgetting about it because hmm. <laughs> choreography is the king so i try to try to do both and then yeah uh, I do watch other dancers for inspiration mm -hmm. I try to never copy the choreography from any song right. music video dance video I might like a step or two out of the entire video so I'll yeah. maybe use that but even then I will adjust it make it mm. in my own way in the way the way I feel it right. so it's kind of the same step but it looks different because it's been rethought and reimagined. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess uh, there's a lot of dancers that I look up to when I try to choreograph something. Someone mm -hmm. who is very inspiring to me, like Kumar Sharma, Hirendra Tiwari, Sanjukta Sinha, mm -hmm. Aditi Mangaldas, Virjo Maharaj's work, and Dave Das. That's the, the, <laughs> the epitome of grace on screen in Bollywood. I think that's right. the best classical movie of all time okay. <laughs> ever made uh, by by Bollywood 
and uh, yeah, it's 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 good to be inspired. It's good to allow your feelings to flow, whether it's a happy song or a sad song, especially when it's a sad song, because you know human experience is so such a large thing. You cannot always do happy-go-lucky songs. Sometimes you want to cry. Sometimes you want to reflect on some <clears throat> difficulties and just tell that story. So yeah, it's about storytelling. And sometimes I don't even pay attention to the lyrics. I just go. Okay, this makes me feel heartbroken. Hmm. So whatever the step I'm going to do is going to be with that feeling in it. Okay. And uh, sometimes it ends up better than going, oh, okay, I understand what this is about. So I'm going to go word by word. So she, he's saying she's crying. So I'm going to show like I'm crying. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it really depends on the song. It really depends on the song and the hmm. mood and on, on so many factors. Hmm. Okay. It's really fun to see how they think about dance. Mm. Uh, and I guess my next question is about fame and staying grounded. So, you know, when you have, when you're at a point at a stage in your life where you have a huge following, you put out a video, you're going to have a lot of engagement with it. You're going to have people saying, oh, you're great and this and that. Um, so within that, you, when you're getting so much encouragement and adoration and, you know, people are really looking up to you. Within all that, how do you stay grounded and true to yourself and dealing with that fame, I guess? Well, that's a good question. And that's something we all need to talk about, especially mm -hmm. for people who suddenly go viral, because sometimes they post a video or two, they suddenly get a million followers or thousands and thousands of followers, and they don't right. know what to do with that. So they mm -hmm. start posting just whatever, just because they have followers. So I right. still... Even though it's trendy nowadays to post short 15 second, 30 second videos, maybe one minute videos, mm -hmm. I still try to make it a quality product. Even if it's a rehearsal, it has to be thought through, you know, a rehearsal video. I mean, the way for me to stay grounded is to always know that I know I'm not the best dancer in the world, uh, but I know that uh, I want to be me and I want to stay within my most of the people who follow me. They like my style. So I don't have to prove that, oh, I can be so much better than that other dancer or anything like that. So I try not to compete with others. I try to sort of compete with myself, as, as cheesy as this might sound. It's just mm -hmm. that I want to keep growing because I know that uh, there's always a place to grow. Okay. <laughs> My Guruji used to always say, Kathak is not something you learn and you know it. It's something you keep learning throughout your entire life as you go. Because you keep seeing different things. You get inspired by different people. Not even people, by different art. You see an art gallery. You see architecture in Rome. You see a beautiful summer at the beach. That Those things can get you inspired. And then you create. For every 100 people who like you, there will be 10 who absolutely hate you. No mm -hmm. matter what you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So that, that, that helps you stay grounded too, you know, because <laughs> so they, they, even though they think they're trying to hurt me, but I guess that it, it works because they sometimes say, oh, you know, you have too much of this or too little of that or whatever they say. Mm. I take that as, okay, maybe, maybe here's what I can work on. So thank, thank you, actually. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> so that helps. Okay. That's interesting what you said about criticism. Uh, it kind of reminds me of something, uh, it's a podcaster called Joe Rogan, and he says that he doesn't mind criticism because he says that 
uh, he doesn't care what anyone else thinks because it can't be worse than what he thinks about himself and how critical he is about himself. Yeah. And uh, I guess at this point, it'd be a great time to touch upon say performances. So, uh, to you know, you've had a lot of performances over the years, and but if if you're talking about some of your most memorable performances, could you tell us which ones would that be, and if, could you share some anecdotes from that? Well, I guess uh, Russia's Got Talent was okay. a very memorable one. Okay. The reason for that, not just because of how the video turned out, it yeah. was really nice. I'm really grateful to the Channel One Russia people who made it happen because right. we were not even selected for the next round. Oh, <laughs> so all the judges said yes, but then it was not scripted that we move on to the next round, so we were eliminated behind the scenes. But I anyway, see. I was upset about that, but I hmm. thought, hey, you know what? I should be grateful that they gave us this video because from this video we've been touring the world ever since ever since this video came out and up mm-hmm. until the borders closed at the pandemic so right. I'm, I'm really grateful uh, and why was it memorable because that was our first performance together with kumar we've just met like two three weeks before that mm-hmm. we were rehearsing and it, it it felt surreal because every time i meet a new dancer it's always so difficult to sync Mm-hmm. because everybody comes from a different background different teacher and everything but with him it was so easy to sync yeah it was difficult technically because some stuff he does is his own creation that did not exist in Kathak before so mm-hmm. I had to learn that but and, and it's very fast faster than what I used to do but still the sync was good the chemistry the the understanding and the amount of training the hard work of 10 years or 15 years of just pure Kathak mm-hmm. is common between us. Mm-hmm. So the night before Russia's Got Talent uh, filming day, we were rehearsing like the tech rehearsals at the studio and we were so tired. We were just exhausted because we've been doing it over and over again, figuring out the props and costumes and everything last moment, of course, because it's television. Oh. So messy. And then Around midnight, they let us go. And then 6 a.m. next day, we had to be back on set, ready to go. <laughs> so uh-huh. we, we basically, we didn't sleep. We drank like two or three Red Bulls before we went on stage. Yeah. And if you see that final section of the performance where we're spinning, mm-hmm. at, while I was doing that, I thought I'm going to pass out just right now because <laughs> just because of the, ex- the physical and mental exhaustion, the level of pressure that I felt like, right. oh my God, he's a better dancer than me. <coughs> oh my God, we didn't rehearse enough. Oh my God, everybody's watching. Oh my God. Like, and that was the, the one you see the performance. That was a second take. The mm-hmm. first take that um, Jula, what do you, what do you call that? A swing, right? A Jula. <laughs> the swing. Yeah. <laughs> The first time they started filming it, we had to climb on that swing and it went up. So it went up too abruptly. So I almost fell out of that swing. I was holding with my one hand hanging from it (laughs) above the stage until they refigured out the the whoever was controlling because they just dropped it too fast so i almost fell on that stage before we were actually performing so that's that's really funny so i was also nervous about that i was like oh my god it's a second take that's the only chance i got if i'm gonna fall from this (laughs) swing again Mm. i'm uh it's gonna be a disaster you know so thank God they didn't show that, but that was, um, uh, the audience of course saw it, not the people who saw the edited version of the video. 
but that was a very, very serious amount of pressure. Mm. And once it was done, I couldn't believe that I just pushed myself so hard through it because it seemed impossible in such a short time to choreograph such a difficult piece with a completely unknown dancer from another country mm-hmm. um, and uh, just everything last moment and all this jewelry and flying off and <laughs> all mm-hmm. of that stuff. It was crazy, but I guess that's how some cool things are done. You know, it's just, it's a little messy, a little spontaneous, but mm-hmm. it turned out really well. And I'm really glad we did it. It's one mm-hmm. of the most memorable performances. Yeah, I mean, kudos to your upper body strength if you're hanging from the swing. Uh, I don't know if you've tried it, but I think you'd be a pro at rock climbing if you ever took it up. <laughs> For sure. And I guess one question I'd have asked you about, I don't, I don't remember if it was Russia's Got Talent or Ukraine's Got Talent. One thing that really struck out to me is like, you on the talent show, you're dancing your heart out. And there was this one judge who just doesn't like Indian dance. And he, that's all he kept saying. And they wanted you. And then they, they was like, okay, can you do something other than Indian dance? And I was like, what's going on? I want, I really want to know what, what was going through your head? Cause like you're giving the performance of your ta- life out there, putting yourself out there in, a, in, in an audience that doesn't know you and all that. And you have this judge giving this weak excuse for lack <laughs> of a better term. How well, did you do that? Yeah. Well, to be honest, when I went there, I didn't know who those people were, any of those judges. That was in Ukraine's Got Talent. Right. I was very ignorant. I had no idea who they were because they were celebrities in Ukraine, but uh-huh. I'm from Russia, so I didn't know who they were. I see. So, um, <clears throat> and that one judge that I learned later, he was like, you know, there's a good cop and the bad cop. So he was oh. the bad. Oh. He was like the of Simon <laughs> in <I> America. See. <laughs> so he was supposed to say mean things to, you know, to create the drama and stuff. But, because all of those shows are scripted, right? right, like right every right. every judge has their script. They mm. can add something, but they the general idea stays there. I well, see. the kind of stuff that that particular judge liked was more of um, contemporary dance styles with right. less uh, less culture, less uh, clothes, <laughs> less um, meaning. You know, right. just easy and light yeah that's what he liked personally so i guess that's just his personal preference he wasn't trying to be objective he was just himself i guess i see i see okay yeah that's something i was just i've been curious like ever since i've been thinking about interviewing you like for for a while i was like what was going on there how are you dealing with that thank you for sharing (laughs) that and kind of i think yeah we've covered kind of everything i wanted to ask you so i kind of this is kind of my final question to you so I, I know that you know it's it's, it's going to be a long uh, you know you have a long journey ahead of you and things like that but like what would you like your legacy to be when people talk about Svetlana in Kathak what would you how would you like people to remember you what would you like your impact to be on the world of Kathak when all said all is said and done I want to be the person who made Kathak a household name across the world, whether you are of Indian origin or not. The way I see myself doing that is it has to be something like Devdas, but in English language, in Hollywood, because if you make a big movie in Hollywood, it goes global. So everybody reaches every corner of the planet. Mm. So uh, something like that is a very rough idea. Of course, not in terms of the story, not in terms of the actors, but uh, just in terms of how well they have portrayed Kathak 
that okay. they made an entire generation of people fall in love with Kathak just because of that one movie. Mm. I'm part of that generation. Kumar Sharma is part of that generation. Anyone around my age from 20s to late 30s, mm. they have been inspired by that movie. Okay. By the way, Kathak has been portrayed over there. So I just want to do that, but in, a, I guess, in English. And then, of course, it will be dubbed in yeah. all languages, but I just want that to be my legacy. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Looking forward to it, Svetlana Di. So yeah, with that, <laughs> I'm going to stop recording this episode. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's been a few months since I shot an episode and I, I love talking to you. You give me, you, you like, I loved how, how your answers were and you gave me the speech to speak as well. So I really enjoyed doing this. It felt like I just jumped back in and been doing this for the last few weeks. So really good to doing this. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for uh, making me do this. I know you've been uh, requesting me for a couple of times, but uh, with all the mo- movie scheduling and then moving to a different country, it was it was just not the right time and r- not the right mind space to do this. But now with everything, the dust is settled more or less. I feel like I feel the energy and I feel the motivation to tell the story. It's really thank you for having me.